Morning, everybody. Hey, let's welcome, we got the whole family today. We got Victory Hamilton Mill with us, Victory Midtown, Victory North Cobb, our Victory family locally all around the world in Angola, Ethiopia, and Poland. What is up? Hey, let's welcome everybody today. Hey, we love you guys. Hey, how many of you have been tracking with us? Like you, you, you're kind of waking up to the reality that we live in a very stormy world. Right? There's a lot of storms that are happening all around us, that, and it's sometimes it's like the issues of life, the storms of life can, can be like a tsunami that we're kind of swept up in from car crashes to recessions to wars and rumors of wars to interest rates and everywhere in between. The, the, what it's producing, though, is the sad reality. We see people's lives getting shipwrecked in the middle of this storm. And today, let me just kind of say this, whether you're in the room somewhere at a Victory Campus or you find yourself online or you're watching during the week or whatever it is, if today you're struggling, I'm glad you're here. This is a good place for you to be today. Because Jesus doesn't leave us alone in this place. Jesus speaks exactly to these places that we find ourselves in. He just doesn't speak to our Sundays. He speaks to our Mondays and Tuesdays, the good days and the bad days. And the disciples come one day and they ask Jesus, hey, what's it gonna be like at the very end? And in Matthew 24, Jesus says this, verse six. He says, you're gonna hear of wars and rumors of wars. Hey, you know, CNN and Fox weren't the first one to do rumors. Hey, you're gonna hear of things that are actually and things that you might should be afraid of, but you should really be afraid of everything, right? But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. It's just the very beginning. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, pause right there. Pause right there. You can leave that up there. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, guys, there are going to be storms that are going to increase more and more and more and more as the end arrives. And these storms are going to be everything from global to local, international to your own backyard, money issues and persecution issues and family issues and deceiver issues and grocery issues and mortgage issues. Come on, and spiritual issues. There're going to be all sorts of issues all over the place. But here's here's what he's really saying, guys, and you'll notice this. He's saying the issue isn't the storms. The issue is what do the storms produce in people? And here's what he says the the storms are going to produce. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other on Twitter. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, notice the, the tie there. The increase of wickedness causes the love of most to grow cold. But... The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Come on. There's some good news in the midst of all that, right? And again, here's what he's saying. The problem isn't so much the storms. The problem isn't what the storms produce. What do the storms produce? The storms produce ultimately the fact that many, there will be a great falling away from the faith. So what we've done here over the last few weeks is we've talked about how do we be anchored in the midst of the storms that we find ourselves in. 
How do we drop the anchor of our lives in the right things? Because the reality is every single one of us has an anchor of some way, shape, or form. A lot of our anchors are in our own boats. We're trusting ourselves. A lot of our anchors are in somebody else's boat. We're trusting our boss. We're trusting the government. We're trusting a spouse. But what God invites us to do is to actually drop our anchor in the things that won't move, the unshakable things of God. Because when we do that, there is a way that we can actually stand firm to the very end and be saved. So I want to look once again just at this because this is really important for us today. What do the storms of life produce? Let's look at it again. Matthew 24, verse 10. Here's what it produces. Many will turn away from the faith. Allow the sobriety of this to wash over us. They will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Guys, this is, we often don't think of it like this. This is a 2,000-year-old prophecy. Jesus says the storms of life will cause people to struggle with faith. And then right in that place of struggle, deceivers will come in and invite them out from the faith and here, here's, here's what deceivers do. Deceivers never lead you to righteousness. Deceivers always lead you to sin, right? And so the deception never leads to righteousness. Deception always leads to, to iniquity, to sin, to wickedness. And as that wickedness begins to brew, as we sin more and more and more in our deception, we drift. And this is the word that probably haunts me most of all in here, is most, the love of most will grow cold. I don't know if you understand the idea of most. In, in the Greek, it's most, like, like most, <laughs> most will grow cold. Guys, that's scary. And I would even say this, I, I would go as far to say this, we are living in the fulfillment of this prophecy right now. We're currently witnessing a great falling away. It's not something we take delight in. It's something we have to pay attention to. I believe somewhere in this perfect storm of covid right? Come on, and some government stuff and life stuff and economy stuff, right? And social media stuff. Somewhere it's, it just created this perfect storm where we see the love of most growing cold. But the, the good news is there is a way to stand firm to the end and be saved. And I want to draw attention to, I, I believe what, I could, what we could actually call what we see happening in the world around us is this thing called deconstruction. All right, this is the hot thing right now. Uh, this is like, people take pride in this. You'll find a lot of people on social media, a lot of your friends are doing, they're deconstructing their faith, right? And you see it everywhere. Even if you didn't know that that's what it was called, it's deconstructing. And here's, here's really the idea of deconstruction. It's, it's a spectrum, right? And it's, it's a little bit different, a little bit difficult to define because people are all over the place in it. But here's the basic definition of deconstruction, a few different places on the spectrum. It's a tearing down of what has been constructed, all right? That's the literal definition. It's a growing disenchantment with at least some of the beliefs that one grew up with. All right, we see this everywhere, right? Like, oh, well, I was kind of raised believing that. I'm not too sure about that, right? That's deconstruction. Um, it's a redefining of Christian faith. This is what we would call kind of like that progressive Christian um, uh, cancel culture mob that's online of like, well, no, the Bible doesn't mean that anymore, all right? That's a form of deconstruction all the way to deconverting or a leaving of the faith. 
This is deconstruction, and we see it happening all in the world around us. Some of us today are in the midst of deconstructing. Some of us online are in the midst of deconstructing. And deconstruction, again, is kind of this catch-all term that encompasses everybody from like people who are having doubts to the ones who have left the church and are now spiritual but not religious, to the ones who are trying to, to change the Bible to fit culture, to the ones who are now our enemies of the cross, are people who say, hey, I'm deconstructing. And people um, as varied as the, the people who are deconstructing are the reasons for deconstructing. And this is really important for us to know because some of us find ourselves in the place of deconstructing, but here's what I give you the guarantee of. Every single one of us knows somebody who's deconstructing right now. Every single one of us knows somebody who's struggling with doubts, who's pushing away from institutions, putting away, pushing away from the church, many pushing away from Jesus. All right, so as varied as the people who are doing it are the reasons that they're doing it. But a, um, a, a really good pastor, his name's John Mark Comer, uh, he came up with what he would call like the, are the top five reasons for deconstructing. And I think he's right. All right, I think he's right. And let's just kind of walk through those really quickly. What are the top five reasons for deconstructing? Here's the first one. Having painful experiences with church. Ouch. I think we would all nod our head, right? Um, this is what we call church hurt. Um, because if we're honest, there's a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of foolishness in Jesus' name. All right, can we just be honest about that really quickly? And a lot of them are pastors. All right, there's the dude who's asking for an extravagant offering for his third jet. Come on, there's sex abuse scandals, financial abuse scandals. There's the guys who passionately pound their pulpits and tell people to do things that they're never gonna do themselves. Power abuse. And here's the problem. Sin is one thing, okay? Sin is one thing. And here's the reality. Let me just remind everybody that we're all human. I'm not Jesus, so your faith is never in me, all right? No pastor is Jesus. There's only one person who went to the cross who never sinned, <laughs> all right? Come on, like, we, we are, but here's the problem. Sin is sin, but almost what, what makes it a hundred times worse is the history of cover-ups, right? It's, it's, it's the, the, the victim-shaming, Right, the blame shifting, the gaslighting. Oh, that's, no, 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 that's not what happened. That's really like it's you, right? And it's it's turning the blame. Like you brought up something a pastor did. No, no, that's actually your fault. You're the one who is in sin because you can't touch the man of God, right? And what is it's created this confusion in people. Like what in the world's going on? It's created this thing of like, man, it's not. It's not even just that I don't trust you, I don't trust the institution, right? Because we got elder boards and, and, and government systems right inside churches that have just covered up sin. And now we've got church cultures. I'm not talking about victory. Maybe there is something, that, you know, listen, I know we're not Jesus either, but we've got church cultures where, where ushers tell people to change their clothes. They can't wear that in God's presence. Come on, like we all know Jesus told people that, right? Hey, what do you think? You wearing that today? I can't heal you when you're wearing that, right? <laughs> Ratty old thing. Come on, go home, get changed, take a shower, come back, then I'll hear your eyes. We've got ch a church culture who has a terrible history with race relations. We've got a church culture that has a terrible history with the treatment of women. 
We've got a modern church that salutes the American flag and would rather defend their right to own guns than love their neighbors. Listen, that's not, that's not a political statement. It's a gospel statement. Listen, Second Amendment, woo, let's do it, right? But first, before you're citizens of America, you're citizens of heaven. And so we have priorities in this thing, right? And, 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 and we had mom and dad who came to church and who said they loved Jesus, but they hated each other. And they divorced. And what it's done, it's, it's left not a handful, it's left millions of people looking at the church saying, I can't trust you. And we just call it this big catch-all of church hurt. In fact, I'd say this, guys. I don't know one person who has deconstructed who doesn't have church hurt. I don't know one person who's, de- who's questioning faith, pushing back against things, who wasn't hurt by somebody they trusted who claimed Christ. Because the church, in most people's eyes, has lost credibility. And so what happens is people deconstruct, they get disenchanted, they get disillusioned, they push away and they walk away. And so that's the first reason. I would say that's probably, there's a reason why that's number one, the five reasons for deconstruction, painful experience with church. The second one is poor teaching. Poor teaching. Um, Pulpits pushing cheap grace and low discipleship have not prepared people for the storms of this life. And here's the deal, guys. We love it. We love hearing good things. We're not opposed to talking about good things. There's a lot of good things in God, right? But living your best life now and prosperity theology, it doesn't prepare you for when mom gets cancer. It doesn't prepare you for losing your job. So what happens is we get caught in this storm and we, we've never been taught the meat, the anchoring word of God. And so we're just lost. We just get blown away. And then, and then we hear people spouting all sorts of foolishness in, in, in the pulpits that's not discipling the sheep, especially in days like today. Let me just say it. Listen, pastors, pastors wanted to fill their churches so they watered down the word. And so you're not saying what needs to be said. And then you're saying just dumb things. Like I, I, I hear the guys who are like, man, if you don't vote Republican, you're not a Christian. Ah, that's a really broad brush. Or the guys, listen, come on. We're in a multicultural church. Or the guys who say like, hey, if you don't vote Democrat, you're not black. I, chapter and verse? Like, I don't, can you just, I don't see it. Like, help me, help me. Teach me if that's actually what God said. And so what happens is we see that and we get disenchanted and we deconstruct and we get disillusioned and we walk away. The third reason why people deconstruct is, oh God, this one's heavy. Wanting to sin without guilt. I, listen, I'm not saying this is you. I'm saying there's a number of reasons. Listen, but I see this more and more every single day. I see this more, and people are, you'll see them online. Hey, I'm a Buddhist now. What? And what they're not saying is, hey, I'm really a Buddhist because really kind of in Buddhism, you can kind of do whatever you want to do. Oh, I'm a new age spiritualist. (laughs) Yeah, you just kind of want to do whatever you want to do, right? You you see people who are like, hey, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm not really sure about Jesus. 
And what they're really saying is, hey, I actually encountered the part of the truth of God that says I can't do whatever I want to with my own body and I'm, I'm a maybe same-sex attracted or I'm living with my boyfriend, girlfriend. And so what I wanna do, listen, this is kind of the catch-all, this is the idea. Instead of bowing my knee to God, I want to reform Jesus in my own image and then now I can say my Jesus would never ask me to do that. My, whenever you hear somebody say, my Jesus, antennas go up. Be careful when Jesus hates all the people you hate. Loves all the people you love. You form Jesus. In your, be careful when Jesus is okay with your sin, but nobody else's. Be careful with that, right? So that's a reason why we deconstruct. Here's the fourth reason why we deconstruct. Wanting to be liked. Ah, this is hard. We all know this. There is overwhelming social pressure right now put on everybody to say the right thing, do the right thing, believe the right thing, because if you're not tolerant the way we want you to be tolerant, you're done. We are intolerant unless you're tolerant like us, right? And a lot of Christians don't know because, listen, they haven't been anchored. They haven't been prepared in truth. They haven't been prepared with the truth that Jesus says, hey, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first, right? Like, we, we don't know what to do with that. And so what happens is we end up trying to find a faith or a gospel that's low enough that we think will allow us to get into heaven, but will still allow us to be popular in this world. And I think this is who Jesus is talking about in the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, verse 20. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And these are the people who are like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they're talking about it online and somebody comes back at them and they're like, oh no, you're right. And they fall away, right? Because they weren't anchored. And so they, what happens is because we wanna be liked, we deconstruct and we get a little disillusioned, get a little disenchanted and we walk away. And the fifth reason for deconstructing, demonic influence. And here's the, let's just be honest with that, right? Is that there is an enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. At the end of this day, this is not just a physical battle. This is actually not just against flesh and blood. This is against powers and principalities and, and spiritual rulers of darkness is that the enemy hates God. He hates the people of God and wants to ruin anything God is doing in the people of God, right? And what, what makes this worse, especially for what we're talking about today, is this thing called double trauma, double trauma. And here's what double trauma is. Double trauma is when somebody's gone through some form of church hurt, Right? But again, let's be honest, we've all been hurt in some way, shape, or form. But for some reason, the enemy is able to kind of come right in that open door that was maybe open because of church hurt, right? Because this guy said that, or this person did that, or my small group leader did this, or my feelings were hurt doing that, whatever that is, right? Valid or invalid, whatever it is. And the enemy comes right in that, that, that open door and then starts attacking your identity, starts attacking your leadership or your parents, starts attacking um, God himself, starts attacking the church through that. That's called a double trauma. It wasn't just that this wound happened. The enemy, because he hates you, started exploiting that wound and started whispering inside your ear. You started believing all these crazy things, right? And what it did, it led to deconstructing, getting disenchanted, getting disillusioned, and then walking away. 
And if that's you today, somewhere in that spectrum, I'm not trying to label you. (laughs) I'm just trying to say, hey, let's open up our eyes to the reasons why people may begin deconstructing. And I I need to say this. (sighs) This is on me so heavy. It was last night, the Lord just really started speaking to me about this. If you've been hurt by a leader in the church, I'm sorry. If somebody did something here at Victory, somebody did something in another church, if you're online today because you've been hurt by the church and so a little bit of proximity feels safe to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if somebody betrayed your confidence. I'm sorry if you were up close to an abuse. I'm sorry if you sowed generously and it was stewarded improperly. I'm sorry for the million reasons and the million ways people could betray confidence and could hurt and wound you. I am sorry. And I have seen people close to me who got hurt, they got disillusioned, then they got deceived and they deconstructed and they've gone so far to the place now that they've turned around and they're trying to tear down the thing that they used to so greatly love. And if today, if you're deconstructing, I need you to be honest to yourself about what the storms have produced in you. Because here's the danger of deconstructing. Okay, here's the danger of deconstructing. A lot of people end up deconstructing and they leave the church. And in essence, here's, here's what people do when they leave the church. They say, I love Jesus, I just hate the church. Come on, we've heard that one, right? In some way, say it in some way, shape, or form. I love Jesus, I just hate the church. Um, and, and, in, and we gotta be careful because that's basically telling Jesus, I love you, I just hate your wife. <laughs> because Jesus is the groom, the church is the bride. Listen, if somebody wants to hang out with me but they hate summer, we're probably not gonna be that tight, bro probably not going to be too tight. And and, and that's what happens with deconstruction, right? It begins with this, like, I just need some space from the church. And then what happens is you end up putting space between you and the people of God. Then you end up putting space between you and God. And, and, And you drift and you get isolated. And whenever we isolate ourselves, man, we are sitting ducks for the enemy to come in and pick us off. And and what happens is we deconstruct from church. This, This is the path. I don't know where you're at in the path if you're in the process of deconstructing. This is the path, right? We deconstruct from church, we push away. Then what happens is we deconstruct the Bible, then we leave the faith. So if you've left the church and now you're in the process of like, I'm not really sure about this and that probably meant that for them, but it doesn't really mean it for us. Listen, you're a hop, skip, and a jump from being an agnostic and then turn around saying, I don't believe any of it and then attacking the thing that you used to love. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's the path. Every highway that you get on leads somewhere. That's where that highway leads. It moves from what we would call orthodox Christianity to progressive Christianity to post-Christianity. And I would say this, guys. Here, let let me just kind of make a big statement today, okay? There are a lot of people leaving Christianity when they just need to leave that church. There are toxic, abusive leaders who have created toxic, abusive churches, right? But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because they're toxic doesn't mean that Jesus is toxic, right? And, and I'd even say this, and maybe you didn't 
expect me to say this. The idea of deconstruction isn't necessarily a bad thing. Okay, here's the idea of it is, hey, let's cut away some of the fluff. Let's cut away maybe some of the things that we've added over time. And let's get back to what this thing was really meant to be in the beginning. Right? So I'd say it like this. The idea of deconstruction is fine. But listen to me. Today, the spirit of deconstruction is toxic. It's a witch hunt. It's looking for reasons not to believe. It's just, it's trying to poke holes. It's not being like the man who had the afflicted son who says like, hey, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's like, oh, I'm looking for reasons not to believe. That's the spirit of deconstruction today. But the idea of deconstruction is actually fine because, hey, let's think about it real quick. Jesus deconstructed. Y'all remember that time he grabbed a whip? In fact, he made a whip. That's actually the coolest part of that story. Right? He walks into the temple. They're selling stuff, right? Like it, they're, they're exploiting the people of God. They're making it hard to come to God. And Jesus is sitting over there in the corner like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, I see that. You're first. He's making this whip. He's putting it all together. But you're first, you're second, you're third, right? And he starts flipping tables. He's like, ah, get out of here. Why? Because this whole thing was supposed to be a house of prayer. But you made it a den of robbers, And you're making it hard for people to come to God. Jesus deconstructed. Jesus said, hey, guys, we've added a lot of stuff. We kind of need to get back to what this whole thing was meant to be, right? One of Jesus's favorite things to say, especially to religious people, was, hey, you've heard it said this, but today I I tell you this. What he was saying is, hey, guys, we've kind of added some stuff on top of original intent. Let's get back to how it was actually meant to be in the beginning. The church fathers were always trying to bring the church back to center. Right In the 1500s, one of the most famous things, the reformers were trying to bring the church back to center. What is this thing actually supposed to be about? And one of the, the, the phrases that they lived by was, and we all know this, right? Some of you got this tattoo on you and you got it in your home. Ecclesia reformata, semper reformanda. And what it means is this, the church reformed and always being reformed. The church reformed and always being, there, there, notice there's a passive verb there. Always, God is always doing a re, reformational work inside the church, trying to get the church to back to like, what are we meant to be about? Because it's really easy for us. Because listen, we're all humans. And whenever humans are involved, it can, it can get a little broken. And so we have to allow God to continually bring us back to center. What is this thing actually meant to be about in the end? And faithful men and women throughout history have always fought to pull sinful influence off the church. It's a work that we have to always do. And the good news is this, guys. Jesus came for those who deconstructed. Think about it. The sinners at Matthew's party, they, they were in religious culture. They were told they weren't welcome, so they walked away. The woman at the well, she knew the Bible. She knew the prophecies. Come on, Zacchaeus, climbing up in a tree. Why? Because he wants to know Jesus, but he's been told he's not welcome, and he's done some really sinful things. And, and so all these people deconstructed, but here's what I love, is that God does not reject us in our doubt. God does not close the door on us when storms come. But Jesus came to pursue every single one of us, even if we're in the thick of deconstructing. So the question is, how do we make it through a world that's deconstructing? How do we get and stay anchored in the midst of all the storms, in the midst of all the deconstructing? How do we actually make it and stand firm to the end and are saved?
Here's the first thing we have to do, and I'd really encourage you to do this, is to ask questions to trustworthy people. All right, if you're deconstructing today or you know somebody who's deconstructing today, really pushing back against some of the things that we've learned or saying that the Bible's changed or saying, I'm not really sure about Jesus, I need you to ask questions of trustworthy people. Because the problem today, there's a whole lot of experts. Come on, somebody. And they're all on social media. And they have no education, no credibility, but they have a microphone. And they have somebody who will host their content. And so we have people, and I say this with trembling and fear and sadness, we have people leaving the faith because they watched a 90-second clip on Instagram. Like I heard, I heard of somebody just a few months ago who left victory. They left, they left this church because they watched a YouTube preacher speak foolishness that was actually really easily refuted. Or let's just, hey, let's debate about this thing for just a second. But they listened to a one-sided argument, listen, from somebody who did not love them, who did not care about them, had no pastoral interest in their life, had no real interest in truth. Why? Because they had monetized their platform. Listen, everything on social media is about getting more clicks. You cannot trust it when they're in it for clicks. So, because they want to tell you things that many times are 10% true to open up the door to 90% deception. And he ended up leaving the church because he, he followed somebody who didn't love him. And listen, guys, there are a whole lot of bad teachers out there deceiving people, many, much of which is, is debunked. And here's what they're all saying in some way, shape, or form. Listen, there's this brand new way of thinking. And I've discovered it. No... That's actually been around for hundreds of years. Uh, it was debunked and called heresy in the 600s. Come on, but for us, everything that's new is right and old needs to be rejected. Maybe not. Remember, King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And so if you hear some dude or some woman saying like, hey, here's what the word really means in the Hebrew, it might be a good thing to be like, huh, there's probably somebody who thinks something else about that. Let's find somebody who loves me and say, hey, can you walk me through this? Come on. Because we don't have to learn from scratch because we're not the first people to ever live. And there's people who have asked these questions and, and given these answers and wrestled with these truths and given their lives to them more than a 90-second clip on Instagram. You're not an expert. Can I say it again? You're not an expert because you watch a dude on YouTube for 30 minutes. There are people who gave 80 years of their life to this generations who've studied this out. And here's what I need to say, guys. I confess that as, as the church at large, we have not done well with questions, right? But here's what I'd say, leaders, pastors, if you're watching, parents especially, we need to be careful how we handle questions when people ask us questions because the, the power of a lot of these movements right now is they form these little safe spaces, right? Like the deconstructionist movement, here's what it says. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you got questions. We got questions too. Oh, you've been hurt? Oh, we've been hurt too. Let's cry together. <laughs> Let's talk about how wounded we are. And we have no interest in ever arriving at truth. We just need to stay wounded the rest of our lives. And I don't know. I got questions too. I guess there's no answers. My truth is my truth and your truth. Listen, they don't love you. They're just looking for, for compatriots to make them feel good about their movement. You need to find somebody who loves you and ask them questions. And I want you to know this, guys. Victory is a safe place to be able to ask questions. Victory is a safe place to be able to bring doubts. Ask a pastor, 
Ask a parent, ask a leader, ask a friend who loves you. And, and this should be motivation for all of us. That means you need to be learning and growing and studying because your role isn't just to attend church once a week. Your role is to be leaders wherever you find yourself, to be a disciple who makes disciples, right? And if somebody asks you a question that you don't know, research, study, ask up, ask other people. Like, I, 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 I'm gonna open the door, guys. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask things like, what do I do when God doesn't feel good? Why do bad things happen to good people? What's the big deal about homosexuality? Now, here's what I'd say, though. The rubber hits the road when that person who loves you opens up scripture and shares God's truth with you. That, then the question becomes, what am I gonna do with God's truth? It's not that I don't know the truth. No, what am I gonna do with God's truth? That then becomes more of a, hey, am I gonna bow my knee or am I gonna go my own way, right? But what we need to do, if we're gonna stay anchored in this world, we need to find people who love us, who are trustworthy, and we need to ask them the most important questions that exist, the questions about God. All right, here's the second thing. How do we stay anchored in a deconstructing world? We have to major on the majors, we have to major on the majors. Listen, one of the things that we've gotten really broken today is that we major on the minors and we minor on the majors. And we, there, the truth is there are things we need to debate about, there are things that we need to divide for, and there's things that we need to die for. But we have a lot of people majoring on minors and minoring on majors and dying for things that we should debate about and debating about things that we really should die for, right? Like there's some truths that I would put in my life, like listen, like shoot me over this thing. And we've got people like, oh, I don't know. Let's talk about that. No, no, no. There are majors that we put our life in. And, and when we put our, our life in the wrong things and we major on the minors and we minor on the majors, it's kind of left us looking a little crazy, a little like unflinching, a little legalistic, right? A little pharisaical, like, you know, give me rice. Um, it, it's the group that says, hey, if you read any Bible translation other than the King James you're a part of an Illuminati satanic agenda to, to, to deconstruct the church. Whoa. You ever talk to people like that? I always want to be like, well, do people who, who speak Spanish read King James? Like, that's the only one. The COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. And what we've done, guys, listen, please, hear it from a pastor. We've become gatekeepers of the wrong doors. God didn't call you to guard that door. He did call you to contend for the faith, to preach the word. So if we're gonna do that, we may need to deconstruct just a little bit. We may need to pull some stuff out. We may need to realize that maybe I've kind of minored on the majors and majored on the minors, so let me give you, here's some of the majors. Okay, maybe here, here's some, some things that we really don't debate about. Jesus is Lord. There's a major. We are saved by grace through faith. You're not saved by works. The Bible is the unchanging word of God. Christian community is non-negotiable. Okay, let me say this. You can be a Christian with more than this, but you can't be a Christian with less than this. And today what's happening is people are deconstructing so far that it's not Christianity anymore. 
right? It's like Jenga, guys. Come on. You can pull out some pieces. You pull out the wrong pieces. The whole thing's going to fall over. If, if you pull out the block of Jesus as Lord, the whole thing falls apart. Well, Jesus was just a good man. You know, he was, he was created. Jesus and, and the devil and Lucifer were actually brothers. <laughs> whole thing falls apart. It's not, you're not a Christian anymore. And what this is called is orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, okay? I know that's not a word we hear in church all the time. Orthodoxy is the result of centuries of Christians thinking about the implications of the good news that God has sent and raised his son for us and our salvation, making all things new. Orthodoxy, orthodoxy is the reality that countless men and women throughout history have given their lives to these things. Right, to studying out these truths, to really thinking through, hey, what are the foundational pillars of the church? Hey, what are foundational pillars of faith? And if we take this out, what happens? And what, what's going on right now, we have a lot of people pulling the Jenga pieces out, not thinking about what does that actually mean? What are the implications of pulling out, no, I don't have to be in community? Well, the whole Bible's written to community. Every single letter of the New Testament was written to a church, a people they're, they're not written to an individual, right? We were meant to do this thing together. Acts 2, the whole thing, the whole Bible's about community, the whole Bible's about a people. And what happens is as people gave their lives to this and they encountered what we would call heresies, things that are, are trying to deconstruct the foundation of faith, they would combat that by forming what we call creeds, okay? And the creeds were basically professions of faith that were made central to who the church is. They may not be found word for word inside the Bible, but they are found idea for idea inside the Bible, right? And what it is, they gave it to the church so that we could say, here's what we actually believe. Here's actually what, what we would call a major thing of faith. And so there's the things like the, the Nicene Creed, there's the Athanasian Creed, there's a whole lot of creeds. One of the ones that's probably most familiar is what we would call the Apostles' Creed, right? This is from 350, all right, it was, it was firmed up somewhere around like that, that 500, 600 window, but this is 1,700 years old. And what this is, some of us kind of grew up in, in denominations who said this. I, I can do it word for word, right? I grew up saying this every single week. Um, but what it is, I, here, let me say this. I knew this before I was a Christian. And so when I strayed, I had an anchor to come back to of what's actually true. And so I want us to do this. If, 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 if you believe this, I want us to say this together, okay? This is the Apostles' Creed. Let's say this. Come on, Hamilton Miller. Come on, Midtown. Come on, North Cobb. Come on, wherever you're at, all over the world. Let's, let's say this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Pause right here. Everybody gets hung up on this. Okay, we're not Catholics. We're not Catholics. We're not Catholics, okay? Here's actually what Catholic means. It means universal. So, so we're not universalist. Here's what it actually means. I believe in the people of God, past, present, and future, regardless of geography all around the world, we are part of one church, 
We are the church of the living God. We are the people of God. That's what this statement means right here. So let's back it up. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That's orthodoxy. That's orthodoxy. And I, I would give you, like, you're looking for something fun to do this week. How, look up, how did the Apostles' Creed come into being? Okay, every single one of those statements is a refute to a heresy that was happening at that time. There's a reason why they put it in there. There's a reason why those words are actually being said because just like today, there's all these heresies floating around. They actually paused to corporately come up with a statement of refute, a statement of faith of what are actually the foundational things, the majors that we need to major on. And this is why this is so important, okay? The author of Hebrews says it like this, Hebrews 2.1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. If I cling to the majors, if I major on the majors, I will not drift away. And history shows us, okay? History shows us that progressive churches who wanna compromise scripture, they die, Okay, but Orthodox churches who hold on to the truth of God and come what may, they live. Why? Because they're anchored in the storm. And God's, God's grace and God's hand rest upon those churches and those people. And I'm here today to tell you, come what may, we're anchored in God's word. Come what may, come what may. Listen, just, just take the sound bite. If there's four of us one day, because everybody left, come what may. We're gonna be rooted, we're gonna be anchored in God's word. We're gonna major on the majors, right? So how do we stay anchored in a deconstructing world? We gotta ask questions of trustworthy friends. We gotta major on the majors. Here's the third thing. We have to work to rebuild the church, not destroy it. I would, again, as, as, as someone who loves you, if you were deconstructing today, let, let me ask you this question. What's the end game? Where do you go from here? What are you really trying to accomplish? What do you really think this road, remember every road takes you somewhere. What's at the end of this road? If, if you're like my wife and um, you turn on Fixer Upper, <laughs> Chip and Joanna are doing their thing, right? And they come into a house that needs some repairs. And they, they're doing a complete overhaul, right? Like they rip off the drywall, like they're, they're, they're pulling up the floors, everything. And they get it down to the foundation, the studs in the roof. And then they're like, huh, we're done. And they walked away. What would you be like? We're done. What you mean? That's the first five minutes of the show. The deconstruction is the easiest part. It's not hard to tear something down. Come on. The show's not about tearing down, the show is about building something better. The goal isn't just to tear down, the goal is to build something better. And guys, every single one of us in our lives, listen to me, we go through construction, deconstruction, and reconstruction, okay? And so we have to be careful, what are we reconstructing? 
What are we rebuilding? Doubtlessly, as we go through life, especially early on in life, there's construction that happens in our life. And again, doubtlessly, some of the things we learn along the way, it doesn't even have to be things about God, but some of them are things about God. We end up, we need to tear some of that stuff down because that was just man-made. That wasn't real. Like that, that wasn't life-giving. That wasn't true. That wasn't scriptural, right? But then the question isn't just construction and deconstructing. What are we rebuilding? What are we, de- what are we reconstructing? Because if, if deconstruction is not followed by reconstruction, it leaves you homeless. So let's rebuild together. Come on, let's rebuild together. If, if you are turned off to the church because of the sex abuse scandals and the financial abuse and the power abuse, listen, so am I. So am I. But we have two options. We can either burn it to the ground or we can build something better. When you read the Bible, listen, when when you go through the New Testament and Paul's writing the letters to the churches, right? You notice very quickly, they're all jacked up. They're all jacked up. Have you read 1 Corinthians lately? We got this like dude sleeping with his like stepmom and like, and the church is like, (laughs) Paul's like, "What what are you doing? Like you read through the stuff going on and like it's chaos. But Paul does not say burn it to the ground. Paul says, hey guys, let's continue building what Jesus bled for, what Jesus died for, what Jesus rose again to create because the church can be beautiful and will always encounter the frailty and the sinfulness of people but we can't allow it to remain. We can't allow that to become the culture. We have to drive that out and we have to continually coming back to what is this whole thing supposed to be about. And I would challenge you with this. God gave you eyes to see it, not so you would run away from it, but so that you could be a part of fixing it. And so I'm gonna say this, guys. Some of you online especially need to go back to your old church and you need to be a part of fixing it not just, just complaining about it and leaving. Now listen, if it's abusive or toxic or they're just not willing to do it there, listen, help us build God's church here. Help us be a part of building scripture. What, what, what are we meant to be? Who are we meant to be? Be an influencer, listen. But let's not just sit in the shadows criticizing. Easiest thing is to be a Monday morning quarterback. Let's get in the game. If you're not in the game, you can't criticize the game. Get in it right? We are not meant to just be forever drifting. Don't let the devil win in your life like that. So let's practice what we preach. Let's, let's, let's allow our confession to match our conduct. Come on, leaders, let's handle power well. Let's help the church be beautiful. And I love this, guys. I love that Jesus is kind of doing some of that here. He's been doing it for a long time. We're in a new season, doing more of it. And he's creating a place here where it's okay to ask trustworthy people questions. He's empowering us to major on the majors. And he's helping us to rebuild the church, not just criticize it. 
And I love that he's doing this now, okay? It, 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 all of our campuses, we heard some numbers earlier of, of baptism of new members, okay? That was, that was at our individual campuses. I wanna share this church-wide. This is the first time we've actually shared these numbers. This last year, this year, this current year, we had 1,037 baptisms. We had 1,037 people say, I'm bowing my knee to Jesus. I'm going down with the old. I'm coming up new to live for God. And we had 1,602 new members, 1,602 new people here in the family of Victory. Guys, I celebrate that. I celebrate that because I know what it's like to be homeless not in, the, not in the sense of not having a house, but not having a home. I know the, the, the agony. I know the, the, the church visit and the church hopping. I know the like, who's, who's a wolf and, and who's a good shepherd? Like I, I, kn- I know what it's like to, to just be wandering and God did not make us to live like that. God made us to have a home. And so I'd say this, guys, if you are stuck in deconstructing, it's time to come home. And it could begin with a really good prayer like this, okay? And we're gonna close with this. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. Hey, online, globally, as well as in our own backyard, in our campuses, hey, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we want this prayer um, that was written so many years ago in Psalm 139 to become real in us. God, we invite the searching eyes of God, the spirit of God to come in. And God, I pray that in your grace and in your kindness, you would actually show us what's happening in our hearts. God, reveal in us any critical spirit any offended spirit, compromising spirit, bickering, backbiting, strife-sowing spirit. God, we're not asking for hands today. We're just being honest before the Lord. Search me, show me where I've fallen short, and then lead me forward in the way I should go. which we're really praying for right there in Psalm 139, we're praying Psalm 23. God, come and be our shepherd. God, come and lead me forward. And here's what I know, God, in a a world that's deconstructing, in a world that's tearing down, God, the idea may be good, but the spirit right now is is so anti-Christ. And the invitation today is to, to come and begin building new. And, I, and I'd say this, there, there's some of us today who just never even constructed to begin with. All right, I, w- I would say this humbly. If some of us would use, hey, I wanna sin, so I'm gonna change religions. Man, we didn't believe to begin with. The invitation today is to construct. The invitation today is to come in and build your life on Jesus. Or maybe we've pulled out so many Jenga pieces of theology that we've just pulled up the foundations and and today's the day to actually reconstruct the right things. And so here's what we're gonna do, okay? I want us to have a moment 
a faith moment. Okay, this isn't just saying the sinner's prayer. This is actually engaging my heart. And so I wanna invite you, if, if, if you wanna pray like this, if your heart is bowing to Christ in this moment and saying, it's time to construct or it's time to reconstruct, I wanna invite you to pray with me. Family of God are gonna pray with you as well. And let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me even in the storms. Thank you for pursuing me even when I doubted. Right now, I confess Jesus Christ is the king and you're my king. So right now, I repent of my doubts. I repent of my wandering. I repent of my critical spirit. I repent for accusing you. I come back home. Today, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I build my life on you. I drop my anchor in who you are. You are my king and my savior. Help me to live for you and to bring others into the family from this day forward. In Jesus' name. We're gonna stay right here for just another breath, okay? Just another breath. Red letters of the Bible, Jesus calls us to forgive as we have been forgiven. I just wanna give us 60 seconds here to do some work in our own hearts of forgiveness. And here's the deal, guys. Whenever somebody says the church has hurt me, I always ask right behind that, what was their name? Because a church did not hurt you, a person hurt you. A a church cannot hurt you. People hurt people. So what was their name? And in the same way you've been forgiven, listen, I'm not saying what was right, that was right. It may have been toxic and broken, but that's between them and the Lord at this point. Right now, you have to keep your heart clean. And so we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna forgive before the Lord. And so that person or that incident may be fresh in your mind right now. And I want us to pray like this. You don't have to pray out loud, just pray in your heart. Say, Jesus, I have been forgiven by your blood. You died on the cross so I could be clean. And right now, as I have been forgiven, I forgive, say their name. I forgive them as I have been forgiven. My heart is clean today and I am free because of Jesus. And now I commit to the work of helping to build the church that Jesus died, lived, and rose again for. May the church of Jesus be glorious and beautiful. May you come back for a bride who's dressed in white. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you.